Do you have more pictures of your goats than yourself on your phone? Does your vacation time get spent attending goat shows? Can you have a conversation without bringing up dairy goats? Neither can we. So join us as we talk to the country's best breeders, judges, appraisers, and industry experts about all things dairy goats. We are John Kane and Danielle Caroli. Welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside. I'm John, and as always, I'm joined by the hostess with the mostest, the most fabulous and fantastic, Danielle Caroli. What's up? I can't believe you repeated it. I had to bring more energy, and I did with a little bit more pizzazz. Yeah, but the thing about it is that you usually have a new intro for me every week, and this is the same intro as last week's. The hostess with the mostest with the fabulous and fantastic, like that was different. Slightly the hostess different. with the mostest was different. It's people have to listen episode to episode to get the nuances that is me. <laughs> I'm so sorry to all the listeners. I hope <laughs> you quickly turned your volumes down when he started talking. And I oh, I think we're good now. I think you can turn the volumes back to normal because I think we're okay. Are we okay? It's we're okay. Yes. It's like that TikTok. More energy, more passion, more energy, you know? So uh, oh, okay. I brought more energy okay. and the more passion. How are you? Thank you. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. Just kind of making it through the week. We are, as I said last week, super busy at work. At blah, 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 blah. So busy that my brain can't even work. We are so busy <laughs> at work that it's just driving me insane. I want to be retired, having a nice mojito on a beach somewhere with tyranny by my side. But alas... We're in snowy New York, where we're getting nothing but snow, rain, and more snow. How are you? I am well, enjoying the quiet that is this time of year, watching those goats grow their babies and catching up on things, doing a little bit of feet trimming and all of that fun stuff. Mm, starting in... King's Rock OnlyFans for your goat's feet. Awesome. <laughs> yes, exactly. They got to pay the bills somehow, John. <laughs> they never will, though. That's the thing. They never <laughs> no. will. Even if I were to do that, I would still be in the red. <laughs> it's just the perpetual awesomeness that is dairy goats. But, you know, speaking of being in the red, we're going to be talking about that this week as Danielle. You'll be seeing red. We'll be seeing red. Bringing more energy, more passion. Talking about hot button topics. It's another hot button topics week, folks. That's right. Part two. Part two for our French Canadian family. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say something. It's just, it left me. Anyway, you thought last week was spicy, and it was a little spicy. Right, but we're going to be really turning it up this week. We have some real fun stuff to talk about. And Danielle, we're going to get right into it. This is a big one. This is one that's been discussed a lot of places. Staying at nationals for a whole week instead of early release. We see a lot of people that are saying, hey, I'd go, but 
gotta stay for the whole week and that's a little expensive and you got other people that are like this is the way it's been since dinosaurs were born we do it this way so where do you fall when it comes to early dismissal for nationals or long week vacay i fall in camp i don't know if it's logistically possible I see shows that have turnovers, mainly of species, occasionally breeds too, but mainly of species. And the turnover that they have to do and the manpower that has to be involved to get the animals in and out each day is very much a labor-intensive requirement. And I think about nationals and I think about how you have crazy vet checks and you then would have pens that would need to be cleaned and just the movement to get animals in and animals out. I do not see it as something that would be realistic. And I don't even want to think about, oh, well, you can just leave as soon as you're done because I know that third day breeds or fourth day breeds they would be in an uproar of the fact that these animals you know breed one was able to be there for two days and this breed has to show- check in at day one but then they have to stay till day five or six and i just don't think that's right either and so i just unfortunately do not think it's feasible i think about these state fairs or larger shows they're dealing with a quite a different budget than the Adga National Show. And they have vets on staff or they have the state vets that they're using for the health checks. They have facilities people whose job it is to break down and set up. All that comes with a lot more of an expense. It's just something that I don't necessarily know if logistically it would be feasible. Listen, I completely understand like oh i'm gonna have to take off for two weeks to be able to attend nationals this year with traveling and being there all week and all of those things i get that and it's the expense it's the being away from home it's having to be two weeks off at your job like there are all these things that that influences and i completely understand that that is a hardship i just don't know if it's possible to do it any other way. Well, I agree with you, Danielle. It's first of all, going to nationals is expensive, right? It's a whole week plus some for travel. And that adds up. You're, you're taking your personal time off from work. If you have a, a big boy or big girl job outside of the farm, right? Or even leaving the farm, you got to pay for somebody to take care of the animals or have somebody stay home to take care of the animals while you're away gallivanting and doing whatever. It's a lot. So I get people's want to leave early. I honestly, if there was an early dismissal, I get the want for it. And I honestly wouldn't see a problem with it, except for the fact that Adka's probably not going to make as much money off of maybe raffles, off of maybe the Colorama sale. Don't forget about that. Uh, But also the breeders that are left hanging, like you said, you know, they're going to be there the whole week. They're going to be pissed because they didn't have the chance to leave early or arrive late, which that might be the answer as well. Uh, But also there's not going to be as many hands if, say, somebody's brought, you know, 20 goats 
they've got one other person and they've got three in a class and there's just not many people to pick from to help out. You know, that's what there you go. People do is help out at shows, especially nationals. So it's a big thing. I think an answer could be if we're going to do early dismissal, let's do early arrival. But then that brings the question. Okay. So now we have to pay for a vet again to check in these animals every day before these animals show. Um, and they're still going to have the option to come early if they want or stay late if they want. So honestly, it's it's kind of one of those, it's not going to make anybody happy. It's probably going to cost us more money uh, because even though somebody might be happy to come or come late or leave early, other people are not going to like that. So it's just, it's a lose-lose situation. And it's something that I don't think ADGA, the way it's run right now with it, its thoughts on trying to create as much money for the event because they're trying to make money or at least break even at this event, right? Um, to have people leave early is taking money away each day. I don't see how it's feasible. It's not a big enough show to be able to do that. Uh, and until it is, which it never will be, um, it's kind of the bricks. It's the way it goes. And I mean, I think about Louisville. I think of Louisville in 2021, I believe where they did allow the early release because of COVID protocols and things like that. And I just remember that room and maybe this, again, this is just logistics and that was a year that nobody quite knew how to handle it. And this was a whole new ball game. It was not designed like cleaning and everything was not designed to have this mass exodus. And so it was just not a good, like there just wasn't enough to move manure. Like there wasn't enough locations to move manure to have everything clean and presentable and be that good image for the public that we need to at the nationals. This is something that they have to factor in because it is a public facing event for the industry. And you just, it's just that extra layer of work that, I don't know if, when, how it could work. <laughs> I mean, it's it's sad. I, 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 it's not great because it does create an issue of people going, okay, I can't attend because I can't be away this long or this isn't feasible. And so it does limit. But I also think it's the same as geographically. I mean, there's always going to be people that say, oh, I can't go. It's too far. Or I can't go it's not the right time of year for me or I can't go because I rolled the dice and I rolled a six and that means that I stay home for the week. Like there's always going to be somebody who it doesn't work perfectly for. And that's just life. I chose, did you choose nationals? Are you the one that chose that hot topic? You jumped on that one. Oh, okay. So uh, what are you jumping on? I... I'm going to go. I really like this one when I saw this one. Show goats versus dairy goats. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. What makes a show goat and what makes dairy like a actual dairy goat? I almost I mean, this one is probably one we could devote like episodes to. But I think it's fun to bring up for a hot button. And then maybe later on this year or sometime we'll go into it more as a topic topic. But what is your opinion on the idea of show goats versus dairy goats? Well, is it really a 
an opinion on is it like our opinion on what it is like or is that is there opinion that there should be a difference like this is why it could be many episodes and for me um show goats versus dairy goats first of all i'm a show home like i'm not a production home we were not a milk test uh we're not a dairy we're not a creamery um so if i were to say that milk production is my main focus i'd be lying uh so for me um i'm kind of like show goats like right like i like to go to shows I like to participate in those performance programs minus milk test uh oh so, linear appraisal yeah linear appraisal shows that's that's performance program if you really think about it at least it used to be uh until they stopped giving away the chs for me it's show goats, man. Like, yes, I like my goats to be milky. And ooh, people hate that term. I don't know why I said it. But I like my goats to produce and have a good lactation uh, <laughs> that's not super long because it's not needed in my herd because I don't milk for forever. Uh, so for me, if they produce well and have a capacious udder, that's what matters to me. Am I there yet? Do I have that? Not 100%. But again, that's not the focus for me right now. My focus is on confirmation. And down the road, when I decide to milk test our herd and be on that program, that's when I'll start really focusing on it. Yeah, I mean, technically, you're a show goat. If she is a nice show goat, should be a superior dairy animal as well. Because... The Angus scorecard, the goal of the scorecard is to aid in the selection of the type of dairy goat that can function efficiently over a long productive lifetime. So technically, what is winning in the show ring should also be the animal that can be productive for years and years and years. But that being said, I mean, you touched on it. What does the udder really look like? Is there a lot of production? Is it or is it meaty? Did they bag this dough up for days and days and days so she looked like she had the capacity to be this dough that can function efficiently over a long productive lifetime? Mm -hmm. Do you, I mean, this is not my opinion on this, but do you believe what you need for a dairy goat to be a productive animal is in the scorecard. There's probably people that would say, no, that this is not something that is going to give them the ghosts that they need to milk because all they care about is the pounds and the volume. And you're not seeing that on this scorecard. It would be interesting to see somebody who, and like you look at the herds of commercial dairy goats that maybe are just selecting for the milk for the volume and what do those does look like in terms of mammary systems in terms of feet and legs in terms of that confirmation but then also are they productive for a long time is it one of those things where dairy goat and i'm speaking i have no idea Is it cheaper for commercial herds to kind of like the dairy cow industry where a dairy cow's typical in your commercial operations, they're only freshening or the equivalent freshening two to three times because it's cheaper for that dairy cow herd 
to bring in a replacement heifer who's going to have less reproductive issues and freshen her and she's going to make the milk versus keep a, a cow for an extra lactation or two. So it'd be interesting to like have somebody who is selecting solely for milk production, but also milk production of with animals over a long lifetime versus just milk production for each lactation. And I think that it's with our industry as it is right now with people that show versus those that are, have working dairies and let's face it, most of those animals aren't registered. Uh, there's really few people that breeders that uh, do both on a big scale. And one of them's, you know, like Craig Koopman, you know, his girls, they show well, but they also have working clothes that they put on and work hard and have long lactations. Um, but again, like you were saying here, our industry, you don't see it too often. So it's kind of hard to differentiate the show versus dairy, or it's kind of hard not to differentiate them um, when there's just, you know, most herds are either show for funsies or others are, you know, doing work and this is their, you know. But I want to touch on that. Think about those does, kind of the does that do both, the does that are excelling in the show ring and in the commercial setting those are the does we remember like those are the showstoppers Mm -hmm. that we just go oh my gosh and we remember them and we see these animals who we have no doubt are doing these very impressive lactations of three thousand four thousand five thousand pounds wherever they are in this but also kicking butt on a national level and those are the animals that ultimately take your breath away and i think part of it is because you know that there are like not only is she pretty but she works but they're also the ones that ultimately are going back to the scorecard those are the ones that are functioning efficiently over a long productive type uh a They are the type of dairy goat that can function efficiently over a long productive lifetime. And that is why we like them. So I think a doe can be one or the other. I'm not saying she's going to be the prettiest doe or as a show goat. And I'm not saying that maybe she's a production animal and she's not going to be the most productive animal. Or maybe she's the most productive animal or maybe she's the prettiest goat. But I think when you can get both is when you have the amazing animals that we want as an industry to continue on and what we end up trying to use and trying to breed those genetics into our herds because when it clicks, it's what we want. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can think of some sables that work hard, maybe out west, that have won nationals. I can think of Dr. Acton's animals that are beautiful, Craig Koopman's. A lot of them that work hard and show hard. I mean, man, they look good. So, yeah, absolutely. When they're great, they're great. That's for sure. Uh, Danielle, my next topic here is uh, why don't we charge more for our goats as an in- industry? You know, we see us selling kids, dry yearlings, see us selling does bucks but man 
unless they're Nigerians, they're cheap as all get out. I mean, I look at some posts, say for Oberhasley, since those are that's the breed that I breed and see a lot of sales ads for. You know, I'll see a really good doe go for like five, six hundred. I mean, I'm talking like an eighty nine, ninety doe, uh, good doe. And then you you know you look at and I'm not picking on Nigerians or anything here, guys, but you know I'll see a Nigerian that might not have an appraisal score, but when you look at it, you see that it's probably like a 78, 79 tops, maybe eighty, uh, going for like two k. What's the difference? Why why is it that standard breeders? Because I believe this is really where it comes down to. Why are standard breeders holding back and? charging people way less for really good quality animals and then you see nigerian breeders who sell animals that are far less superior for far more or they're really good nigerians and they go for crazy money which they should you know they're good why why are we the standard breeders so scared to to hold value for our really good animals I wish I knew, John. (laughs) I think that part of it is why and when people got into dairy goats. The Nigerians obviously have been around for a while now, but they are a breed that people are getting into more frequently, it feels like than other breeds and so you have a relatively probably if you were to compare everything a larger population of newer breeders in that where they are coming in and saying okay i want to do this let's do this and willing to figure out what they have to put into it to do that and so with that they value their animals or the value like the price value of their animals probably is a little higher. You also can keep these Nigerians on smaller properties. So where these farms are, are different potentially than others. And you're not having people that just started out with a few goats to maybe feed a kid. And then uh, we kept a few, show them and different things like that. And so it, there definitely is the mindset. And there are a lot of people who are very frugal in dairy goats And I think that's why they got into dairy goats originally. And then that frugality kind of extends to the pricing and what they're getting. And there's just not the market. I mean, that's the thing. There's a market for Nigerians. The standards, the markets are developing, but I don't think for some, and especially in some areas, the market is not there. And people decide that they're going to, they want to sell their goats to, like other breeders instead of just only selling a few good ones and trying to make a few dollars here instead of making sure the animals are high value animals and they're just not willing to spend the money. And I also think that it is a livestock that you don't necessarily need as much money to play as you would in others. But I think that hurts the industry and we're not getting the price that we should but you also as breeders have to 
be willing to charge that and put those price on put the price on because otherwise if you're not selling it for what it's actually worth it's hurting the whole industry so when breeders are putting that higher price tag on it it helps all around yeah it's i don't think we can blame it on the market when the nigerian breeders are in the same dang market and successfully selling animals for xyz i think that people need to start realizing that this isn't 1986 right this is 2024 and everything including from from your grain bags of feed to hay and alfalfa are way more expensive and for you to successfully have a business where you can stay out of the red you need to sell animals for more money. It's just the way it is. I mean, if you really think about it, people that are sitting there selling good quality standards or even Nigerians for three, four, five hundred dollars for a mature animal or even a kid, how many bags of feed is that? It's not much. That's that's the thing. It is probably the cheapest part of your dairy goat is gonna be buying it initially. Yeah. If I want to get a good, like a, a good, not even great, like in in goat terms, we'll talk, we'll say like if I want to get a good, like a like a an appraised, if I want to get an eighty three Jersey cow, I'm spending way way more money than I am on a really high powered uh, goat, or even less, you know, powered goat, you know, whatever. But what I'm trying to say is, like, yes, cows are bigger. Doesn't necessarily mean that they should be going for way, way, way more money than for a good goat. So maybe people need to get on board with each other and stop saying, oh, my goodness, this breeder's selling kids out of a first freshener for $600. Can well, you imagine that? But not $600. Only, but not only that, you also have... I think as an industry, we do not value the goats enough. And I think, and we also don't value ourselves enough. And so with that, those prices are low. If we valued these animals for what they can do, it would cause those prices to jump higher. I mean... Ugh, there's a reason home centers get dairy goats and this is not this is removing the whole show aspect of it but like just at the basic level a dairy goat will give you milk for your family give you good milk for your family plus they have several offspring that you can eat or sell or do whatever and they're not going to destroy a pasture like a cow would and the efficiency is so much higher. I mean, there's so many things of why dairy goats should be awesome. But until we market dairy goats as being awesome animals and making it so we're not the, oh, it's a dairy goat. Like, I have dairy cows. They're better. Like, you don't know what you're doing. Until you start valuing yourself and the industry well, these prices aren't going to change. And they're just, I mean, 
it but when people start valuing and going there is value in what i know there's value in these animals that's game changer and it helps all around the board yeah and you know this kind of stems back to when we were talking about last episode you know not every buck deserves to keep its nuts you know that's valuing dairy goats you know if you put a value of not every animal deserves to go with papers or with all of its parts then goats can also if they make those bare minimum of what it needs to have a registration paper with it and go as blah 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 candy cane then people need to also raise the bar and raise the prices on these animals i know i did like listen just fiscally fiscal responsibility shows me hey you're going to do this thing, you need to value your animals and sell them for more. It's just the way it works, especially if you sell less animals. But there better be a good animal behind that price tag, right? Like, you're not selling junk for $1,000, $1,500, whatever. Well, you're you not, can try like, and sell junk for 15 You can. You can. And, I mean, some people are going to be able to get it because they've they've created a market where they can sell that animal for that even if it's not something that's necessarily going to be what the buyer wants but i mean you could put whatever price on an animal that's a whole nother conversation and can of worms but it's probably easier to sell if you can justify that price tag well daniel what else we got all right i feel like we should jump right into this one um I saw this one as well, and I thought this was an awesome one to put on here. Hot button topic, critiquing other people's practices or even offering advice on social media. Does having a podcast and doing it on a podcast form count? <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. Do as we say, not as we do. <laughs> critiquing. So like. Critiquing others' practices. So are like I feel like that's a nice way of saying talking others. Right. Talking others farms and beep beep. You know, I'm gonna have to freaking bleep those out. But uh doing that on social media, um not cool. Probably uh do as your grandma says, and if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Uh, or say it as the dairy goat breeder way, or say it behind closed doors when nobody else is watching. Um, just kind of, kind of the way it's done, right? So, personally, for me, I think um, critiquing others' practices and you know, say, oh, they added it in a herd mate of whatever. Oh, they added this, and why they do that? That works nothing well. I would have never done that. No, don't do it. It's none of your business. Just stay to your, stay to yourself. Well, and I also think, I mean, besides giving you crap every once in a while, I think that with our podcast, because I know you kind of mentioned it, <laughs> we offer our opinions, but we're never telling anybody what to do. We, you know, we have our experiences, we're sharing those, we are talking to people, asking their experiences, because I think that. I can learn from you. You can learn from me. I can learn from somebody else as well. And we're listening to the stories. We're listening to the advice. And sometimes using that 
for our herds and sometimes not. I think what you see uh, more on the social media is when somebody says, oh, I need help, and then somebody offers advice, and then people are like, no, this isn't right, and like, don't do this, and oh my gosh, I can't believe you do it this way, and there's just this like trolling and attack that happens because people are not face-to-face, they're behind a screen. It doesn't necessarily always come out right, but then also, for at some point, you don't know who these people are, and you don't know Mm -hmm. if what they have to say is correct if they're making it up if it works for them but if it's really going to work for you i mean it's just one of those things that i feel like people just get a little too happy on social media and are happy to type away and put whatever they want out there not realizing that there is consequences and whether it's somebody following bad advice because they think because this person posts the most they know the most or if they're getting upset and don't want to be a part of something because of what they're seeing uh, on social media, I think it does have an impact. It's what is that saying that we see at, you know, you'll see like a picture of the sign at fairs um, act as if uh, 4-H is watching or something. Yes. I wish that people would like live by that at home. And on their social media pages as well. Right? Like, you see all of these mystic posts, uh, very dark and cryptic posts um, that are just kind of like, you can tell are pointed towards somebody else. And you're like, really? And it's like, you just wish that others like <laughs> would act as if a 4 H'er is watching <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah, like that there's nobody on their Snapchat that's going to tell them that so-and-so posted this and it's yeah. going to get back to somebody else and you're just going to realize that these things happen. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Danielle, next up, shows versus linear appraisal. And I feel like most just cannot separate the two. They don't equal the same, you know, just because it go shows well doesn't mean that it's going to appraise well. And people just lose their minds if a goat appraises well and doesn't show as well. So can we hash this out real quick? We're going to get your thoughts on it. And obviously, I have my thoughts as well. Oh, do you, John, on this topic? Oh, uh, yeah, just, just yeah. a little bit. I look at this. Because I've been appraising my herd for several years now. And I've seen the progress of my herd both in the show ring and in terms of appraisal scores. But I've also seen the range of animals scoring certain things. I think until this happens to you, you have a hard time understanding how your excellent appraising animal isn't necessarily going to be the first place animal in the ring that is because what is going on for appraisal is piece by piece by piece that then gets put together your show animals are the one like it's a different eye to see an animal in the show ring than it is to have it appraised and what I think what you need in a show ring, the show ring in terms of style, just how she looks is going to be different than what you would need for a strong linear appraisal score. 
the other thing about that is you don't know what your competition is in the show ring. I mean, I think about sometimes I'm bringing out some of my does just to kind of give an example. And I have several does that permanent champions with excellent appraising scores that they've all appraised 90 or higher. And I can tell you hands down that even though she's a finished champion, in that champion challenge class, she's not going to win. She's going to be the last one because, yes, she has what she needs and she had what she needed to win those three legs. But she does, even though she's a 90 and this one's a 90, she doesn't have the way she's built and the structure that got her that 90 is not the same as the structure that got the dough in front of her a 90. And that 90 is more what you want in the show ring. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is. The other thing is, this is, I mean, and you sometimes I hear people go like, oh, this animal appraised 90 and she's all the way down here. And this animal appraised 87 and she's all the way, she's up. And it's also the day. I mean, you have to discount does that, or maybe not discount's not the right word, but you have to remember that this doe may just be having a fabulous day. She's really feeling it today. And she made milk beautifully. She's strutting herself. She looks good. You've never seen her look better. Or maybe you have. But, or maybe this is what she looks like. And then she just didn't look great at appraisal. Or whatever. The scores are, I mean, let me tell you, I love my linear appraisal scores. They're great for research. They're great for putting animals together. I really do value it. The huge, the biggest disclaimer is, once again, it is a snapshot in time. And we can use that snapshot to put the data in and figure out the pieces of the puzzle. But that is a snapshot at time, uh, in time of what that animal looks like. So she could have been just like, nah, I don't like life right now. I'm going to walk with my back weird. And that's going to affect her score. Or, oh, I am home. I am in my environment. Oh, look, my best friend's over there. And I'm going to, like, raise my head eye. Like, there's things that are just, it's just a snapshot. So your scores are going to be, scores are going to change, you know, that what that animal scores one day might not be the same as what it scores three weeks from then. There's different things. And it's the same with the shows. Daniel, I can't agree more with what you just said. People think shows and linear appraisal are the same thing. And because a doe scores high means that she's going to show well, uh, you know, there's a two year old first freshener. Uh, we'll pull it out of nowhere. Uh, that is E across the board. 89. Uh, that must mean that she's going to win every freaking class, right? Not necessarily. And she shouldn't and won't. Right. She's not going to finish uh, within four or five rings that she actually graces, right? Um, you know, there's going to be goats that are going to beat her for other reasons. Just because a goat scores that high doesn't mean that she's going to win nationals. And the list goes on. Like, it's just, it, they don't, they're not the same thing. Shows you're looking at the whole package in a snapshot versus what's there. Appraisals, you're looking at each part of the goat and how it should fall upon the scorecard. And That's comparing the way it, is. it to the ideal goat. Right. Just because a goat appraises high doesn't mean that she's going to show well. It might not all pull together to be super crazy awesome. 
it's just two different worlds. I wish people would see it. They're not going to. There's always going to be those people that sit there and say, oh, this girl scored this. She should have done better. Why isn't she doing? See, she wasn't appraised right. This wasn't blah, blah, blah. And just like goes on and on. Like, no. Like, just stop. So, uh, yeah, I agree what you said. You said it much better than I did, Danielle. I must say it's infuriating because I heard it a lot last year and I'm tired of it. Let's do this one. Like, since we're talking about the show ring, uh, pulling finished goats or goats that have dry legs uh, from their class versus not. So you got a goat that was shown. She won, finished her championship or she won, got her dry leg. Uh, and now you have the dilemma. What are you going to do? Are you going to pull that goat out from the show or are you going to not pull that goat? And honestly, if you listen to earlier episodes, you're going to hear me say, well, it's common courtesy to pull the goat. And I agree. It probably is. And I've done it to make people happy. And I do it for others, sure. But I've also seen others not. And they do it kind of because they want the ribbons. And I've not pulled goats because I've wanted to beat those people that were ribbon whores. And yeah, so now my feeling on it is I'll pull them if I feel like it. But if I don't, there's a reason or I just don't feel like it. So that's how I feel about it. Yeah, probably the most hot button topic we have in terms of everybody having their own opinion and doing something differently in this i typically pull because i'm hoping that another animal of mine is going to get that leg that's ultimately why i'm pulling something is because i hopefully brought something else that i want to win grand in the next ring if i'm going that's just how it is. I think when I ha- when there wasn't that champion paperwork pass for finished champions, it definitely was going to influence things for me. And I don't really think I weirdly did not have very many animals that I showed in their age class that ulti- that were finished that ultimately impacted another animal from getting legs when the um, champion challenge jot form wasn't available, but some of that was honestly calculated and um, done very carefully. And the same thing has happened with animals that have their dry legs as or their, res- their restricted legs as well. I kind of think about it as if you want to show it, show it. And Uh, From kind of the judging perspective, I want to see the pretty animal. So if you want to bring in a pretty animal, bring her in. I want to see her because that's what I really like when I'm judging. I want to see these beautiful animals. But from a breeder perspective, I don't know if it would get me enough to like constantly show animals again and again and again. I also think that because we live in an industry that's so much of like, this is how it's been done in the past, it does ruffle feathers. And do you want to be the one ruffling the feathers that way? Can you handle that? That's a whole nother thing. Um, 
I've been pretty much, I mean, there's been times where I've been like, oh my God, I can't believe they don't pull this animal. Like they're supposed to pull. And then kind of having learned about everything a little bit more, I'm more of like, Meh, do what you want and make it, you know, if you want to show it, that's fine. I want to beat it one way or another. And sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. And that's just how it goes. I think it's one of those things that people get upset about and um, worry about when in most times there's going to be another show. There's going to be another chance. Yeah, people get so caught up on the ribbons. And I mean, I've seen it firsthand. I remember going to a show, uh, the COVID show, as we like to call it, Sunny Sisters uh, in 2020. And I saw a friend go to a show and get mad because somebody didn't pull and they got equally mad because they didn't win anything that day. And I heard about them gripe about it for ages and eons and forever. It's just like at that point, it's like, well... First of all, breed a better goat. We hear that all the time. Breed a better goat if you want to win. Don't rely on somebody pulling a goat because they are now finished or have their dry leg. Don't rely on somebody conveniently adding uh, that goat into the the pool of CH forms, you know, the ADGA form that you can fill out. Like, just just breed a better goat. Get your goats looking better. You know, maybe it's a husbandry thing. Uh, always look in the mirror before looking on the outside and getting mad at somebody for not pulling a goat. Because I'll tell you right now, I had a heck of a time showing a kid and a dry yearling the last two years at shows. And it started out as, a, oh, this person doesn't pull goats, so I'm not going to pull her. I'm going to bring her. I'm going to enter her. I'm going to show her. Uh, and then uh, quickly, I was like, you know what? Why am I doing it with the others? Let's just have fun. Let's show show the goats, man. I've only got seven or eight of them right now, it feels like, in my barn. Might as well bring them and show them. I don't want to show two goats in a day and then call it good. So that's what I'm going to do. Right. And I don't, I don't even know if it goes. Like, I know we always go breed a better goat, but I don't even think it's that. It's just that you have to... Also, like, if you're going to try and win, you have to be okay with losing as well. You, at some point, if you were doing this right, you were going to have the hot to trot yearling that you are proud of and you want to take out. And then you're going to have times in your breeding program where things aren't clicking right. And so you are not at the head of the line as much and consistently anymore and so things are going to change or somebody's going to come in and have the next hot to trot animal and so it's all changes and I think when people have issues with people I think they think that they're not necessarily putting in the same work or I don't like they've already gotten there so I want like it's my turn but like they're right at this po point their breeding program's working and it's doing well, and it's just how it is. Yeah, and I just don't, I mean, uh, listen, I was one of those people for the longest time. I'm like, how could you not pull an animal? This is rude. But honestly, when it was no longer a thing that, I mean, because I have does that I would keep them at home because they didn't have the champion challenge papers. And yeah. that was what was expected, and that was what was kind of the industry. And 
there were shows where I was like, shoot, this Joe's at home because I know it, but I know in a month I'm going to have her papers. But then having does that I didn't feel comfortable taking out because I didn't have their papers and seeing it this way and kind of this new experience of not having show wins recorded and reported and all of that fun stuff in such a way, it's really altered my mindset in all of this. And I think, I mean, there's a reason it's a hot button topic because there really is no right answer, but it is something that our mindsets are changing and shifting as the ways of the whole program is changing and the other thing is like you want to take your goats out and show take your goats out and show that's ultimately what it comes down to and if this is the dough you want to show show her definitely is the uh way to go and to think about it just to kind of put the cherry on top here you know you're talking about you know leaving finished champions in the barn at home and then you go to those shows and you see what's there and you see what goes, say, best in show. And you're like, dang, man, my finished champion could have probably gone best in show today. Right. So and then that leaves you with the what ifs, which is never good. And yeah, just if, if you want to show them, show them. Like, just show them. Have fun. They're dairy goats. Uh, Danielle, we have time for one more. So what's it going to be? It's your choice. What are you going to sizzle it off with? Oh, no pressure here. None whatsoever. Oh, God. I was going to do like a silly fun one, but now that it's the last one of this hot button round, Mm. I feel like I got to like swing for the fences. So I want to go culling down versus keeping everyone. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, man, this is going to get spicy. All right, am I am I going first or are you going first? I think you can go first, John. All right, old guy first. Got it. Um, calling down versus keeping everything, and to me, in, in my brain, that's you know selling everything, coal until you cry. Have you know? Have you? Uh, maybe not keeping as many kids or keeping everything, meaning everything born you're keeping. Unless it's all, you know, you're not going to keep all the bucks, but all the does you're keeping and you're going to sit on them and wait and see how they freshen. Uh, I am a calming down guy. Surprise, surprise with my herd of eight. You don't um, say. I know it's I really have prescribed and Tierney has made me prescribe to the art of calling and selling down. So every year we only, I think the tops that we've kept in the last three seasons amount of like doe kids has been like three or four. Um, so we don't keep a ton. Uh, we don't tend to sit on them to wait until they freshen. I've been known to sell a dry yearling or two. Um, it just, I've learned that confirmation means a lot more to me than waiting to see what an utter looks like. So even though, um, something might freshen with a bang and utter, I'm not going to sit on it if she's sickle hocked, uh, if she's you know, unecked, whatever. You know, I'm definitely going to uh, call hard. So for me and my program, and because my wife makes me prescribe to such program, we call hard. We don't feel the need to keep everything because we can't see a goat. Wow. Okay. What? It's true. Listen, I'm sorry, but. 
But everybody, I feel like everybody that keeps everything, they keep everything because they can't see goats. No, and that was why I was going to kind of like put my two cents in because I really wish I could keep everything because Mm -hmm. I want to see what these animals are looking like and how they mature because I kind of want in the back of my mind that data to go in my head and be like, yes, I've kept everything. So I know this one, (laughs) she's not going to turn out. But I know this one, she's kind of like my sleeper and give her three years and she's going to look something. Give her three years. No, 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 listen, listen, listen. Like that would be like in the ideal world when like we didn't have feed bills, we didn't have sleep, we didn't have time. Like there was, there's none of these constraints that actually exist. Like I would love to have the ability to just have all this data and almost just be like crystal ball. This is what these goats are going to look like. But that's not realistic, and it doesn't work for me. I've been in the past pretty good about keeping my numbers small to the point where I probably got a little too, like, my numbers for what I was keeping each year was probably too few. And so this year I made the conscious effort to keep more than I would normally keep in that kid pen. Because the last couple of years, I just didn't have very many animals from each year. But then I've seen these animals grow. And it's very interesting because they're now just about a year old, maybe a little less. But the animals that I kind of, and I I basically was like, Danielle, let them grow, give them time, see what's going to happen. And... I probably am going to kind of go through that six goat group really quick because it's very hard when you have this beautiful sun and sitting on your stand and then you have all these Nubians that are slightly built differently and you're just like, this is what I love and these ones aren't quite there. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, but you see things that you kind of knew existed and you just realize that it's not going to work out. And so those animals are going to call down because ultimately, even if I were to keep her longer, she's not going to be what I need. So why am I feeding her? So with that, I kind of like, I feel like this is the year where I tried to quote unquote, keep everything. I didn't keep everything, but I kept more. It's going to work out the same in the end anyway. If I were to have culled down where I thought I should be when I was keeping my kids. I think that's just how it goes. When you're going through and you have the realistic constraints of time, money, space, you're going to get Mm -hmm. where you're going to get. And you're going to be happier when you have the animals you like to look at. And it makes you motivated to be in the barn does it stink because you're like well what if like i weave this in next generation and this generation i add this in and i like if i can stretch her out like if the next generation i can stretch her out a little bit and then like yeah it stinks but ultimately why are you stressing about that goat and what's going on with that goat when you have another goat in your barn that's four steps ahead of you in your breeding program right dude yes Exactly. 
hundred percent because you know that's like that's like buying back calls, right? So you sold an animal, and I use call loosely. Like I'm not talking the way about you use animals. call is not how I use call, and we've talked right. About before. Yes, so I use it as just animals that don't fit into your program anymore. And like I've got a goat that is a two-year-old first freshener that is listed for sale right now. And I was asked, hey, John, do you want to bring her back in? And I said, absolutely not. No offense. She's fine. She's a great goat for who she is, but she's not who we is anymore. Right? She's she's She, ha she doesn't fit into our program, which is why I sold her to begin with. So, uh, again, call to your cry and stand behind that. And you don't need to keep everything. You don't need to have a huge herd either to be a herd that is able to stand on its own in the ring. It's just true. Like, you don't have to have a thousand goats to do well. That's my feeling on it. I think that's a good way to wrap it up. Don't you, Daniel? I do. And as I've said... Last episode and this episode, these are our opinions. We were just having fun talking these hot buttons on. You're going to have different opinions than us. We appreciate them. and But these are just our opinions. And so what we think, not saying they're the best opinions, not saying they're completely right, but these are just what we're thinking on these topics. And I hope you had... All, you all enjoyed listening to us discuss these things, and hopefully they were thought-provoking. Well, Danielle, if people enjoyed listening to us and our opinions that may be right or wrong, they're mostly right, guys. They're mostly right. <laughs> Where can they find us? Where can they find our merch? All that good stuff. You can find us at DairyGoatPodcast.com. We are on Facebook by searching Ringside, an American Dairy Goat Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok by searching Ringside Podcast. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, everybody, this has been Ringside, an American Dairy Goat Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Danielle. And you know what they say, opinions are like butts. Everybody's got one. We'll catch you on the next one.